everybody, and welcome back for another episode of Mangum Reads with Spencer, BJ, and Sarah. I'm Spencer, and I'm setting up a queue for the two of them to see which one jumps in next. I'm Sarah. I'm BJ. And we're just going to run with that and see how the audience takes it. <laughs> I needed an emergency skin, and I felt like that one fit. I picked somebody up from the morgue who may or may not be a clone, <laughs> and I'm currently training this body to have sense memories. And I try to make sense of the chaos in which we operate to try to deliver an ordered podcast. <laughs> we're doing the forward collection this time. In fact, we're finishing it up. As you may have seen in prior compilations we've done, we like to come together for one last episode to go through the rankings, the various comparisons, the kind of games we play in assessing these issues, odd comparisons to food that probably only us find amusing, but boy, howdy do we. So we're here to do that, um, and we hope you all will you, uh, enjoy it too. Before we get into the meat of things, though, we'd like to start with a drink pairing, and given that we've been following an AI's guidance throughout all of this project, I'm very curious to see where it will end things up. Sarah, what do you have for us? Well, I am very excited to be able to do human-based cocktails and not machine-based cocktails moving forward. <laughs> but here we are uh, at this, our last installation of <laughs> the uh, machine AI-generated cocktails. And this is the... I'm trying to get to the name of it because as we have discussed before, um, the names are not, hmm, not great. This one is called a Jarda Tyne. Weird hmm, name. Which is spelled J-A-R-D-A space T-I-I-N-E. I don't, hmm, I have questions about the naming mechanism for this algorithm. Um, Maybe it was Hawaiian. Well, it does, it, hmm, it does have pineapple in it as we will discuss or near it anyway. Um, so in this final cocktail, um, the Jardatine, it is a kind of a weird little cocktail. Um, it is two ounces of cognac, a half an ounce of peach liqueur, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, a half an ounce of sugar syrup, and a dash of Angostura bitters with a pineapple slice garnish. And there was a reason that I was saving this one for last, which was I didn't know what I was going to make of it. Um, it, as we discussed a little bit off pod, it tastes like a boozy version of crystal light peach flavored iced tea powder, mm -hmm. which is not terrible. Like I actually like that in the world. I'm just on, hmm, I don't hate this drink. I'm just still confused by it. Uh, so very appropriate for the forward collection as a whole. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> I also decided to just Google independently the words Jarda and Tyne to see what I would come back mm. with. Uh, top entry for Jarda was Urban Dictionary, meaning superb, and top entry for Tyne was from Wiktionary, which was pregnant. So, superb pregnant, hope you enjoyed your drink. <laughs> well, that's wrong on all sorts of levels. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarah, I'm, I'm curious, now that you've gone through this collection of machine efforts at being a bartender, mm. were there any success stories in the end? Were there any that you would actually, you know, make again in the future? There were, and I'm going through my list now and trying to remember which one was which. 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 Yeah, mm -hmm. I believe, let me look. By the way, the pregnant is, it is Finnish for pregnant. Interesting. Well, Weren't we in Finland for one of these stories? Perhaps, but uh, I was going to say it's in a good cocktail to finish with. <laughs> okay. Actually, I would say that not unlike, I believe, where we will probably end up on our rankings of these stories, I think I liked three of these mm -hmm. a lot. Mm. Um, 
I might have liked four of these. I liked more of these more than I expected to. So I'm going through the list just in the order it appears on the on the post about um, about these drinks because I absolutely have no recollection of which one I paired with which story. Um, but there was a, a Pon Kong, which I was not excited about, but ended up liking. And that was the strawberries with gin and vanilla syrup. Mm-hmm. And I remember that one making a very small, very strong drink. Um, mm-hmm. And I was concerned about how much I would like the vanilla syrup, but I actually really enjoyed it with the strawberries. And it was not, it was a small enough amount of that vanilla that it was not overwhelming. Um, I also remember liking the Park Markinen, which was the bourbon, amaro, red vermouth, lemons, lemon juice, and cinnamon syrup. Um, I think I, I think I liked that one, although I don't specifically remember it. I also liked more than I expected the Roll Fark, which was the one that Spencer, you were supposed to drink with me. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Which was the spiced rum, the uh, red vermouth, coconut liqueur, mezcal, and the Angostura bitters, and it was the mezcal that saved that one for me. Which instead terrified me off it. Yes. Um, and then there was the San Cremado, which had grapefruit juice, lemon juice, Calvados, um, grenadine, cinnamon syrup, and Angostura bitters. I think that one was okay. I don't think I loved that one. And then the Nile Turkey, which was the one with the Sinar syrup, which I could not wrap my head around. <laughs> Despite being a gin-based drink, it was, it was difficult. And then the Jarda Tine, which I'm drinking now, which is also difficult. Um, <laughs> so kind of three up, three down on the whole situation. I don't know if that's better or worse than my record, just (laughs) picking drink recipes. I think you've done better than a coin flip over time during the course of this. I think so, too. But uh, that is also because I get to look through relevant recipes and be like, oh, this has things I like in it, Um, as opposed to the strictures of these six exact recipes. Mm -hmm. I also sincerely hope that if you were naming your drinks going forward, you would do a little bit better than the machine did, when I think it's best... Its best choice ultimately was the Nile Turkey. Yeah, the Nile Turkey, not a bad name for a not great drink. So so we should be able to either get access to or train a neural network slash AI to take a name input and spit out a drink, which would be very funny to do with story names. Hmm. Not unlike we did with generating our names for our Harry Potter characters. Yes. Yes. Very true. Um, but this has been a fun experiment on the machine learning drinks from, from the robots, but I am, I'm very excited to go back to my (laughs) personal curations, physical cocktail book. Yes. Enjoy your five different variations of gin and tonic for our mystery showcase going Mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I think, uh, we should probably start off with a general ranking and probably a pairing with dishes. Did everybody think of various food groups that remind that certain stories reminded them of? food groups or dishes or say, I definitely have some thoughts in that um and I also feel like we should talk a little bit about um the pairings that we came up with which was a little bit more of a uh rise and fall rather than like a a b a b right uh-huh. because I don't I, I'm not even sure Spencer you as we were going I'm not sure you knew what the pairings we were actually thinking about were is that right no I just happily submitted to instructions as per usual perfect 
Um, so yeah, maybe we can just outline those very quickly, which is also kind of a refresher on the six stories that we read, <laughs> <laughs> which is also sort of helpful. So we started, um, the first story that we talked about was Ark by Veronica Roth. Mm-hmm. And the pair we paired that sort of bookended um, that pairing with uh, Jemison's N.K. Jemison's Emergency Skin. Yeah. Um, why did Why did you make that pairing, B.J.? <laughs> um, so there were a couple of reasons. Um, I think it was mostly because it, they were my favorites, um, <laughs> and that I, works. I, I feel like you know that that's a fun way to to approach sort of consuming everything with like a a good start and a good finish mm-hmm. um there's a little bit more um for me in terms of uh the hopeful flavors of the stories um and t- sort of taking what like starts out as a bad situation or some other issues and then finding some hope in it rather than um the the other stories that that we encounter Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so really for, for me, that's where, uh, so the two sides of this pairing came about. And I think it's also, um, I mean, sort of other minor things, but I like the pros of both of these better that they're sort of very, they're, they're like two sides to, uh, of that coin, mm-hmm. um, in terms of like how the narrative was done and, and the voice of the author. They're also, and when we were talking about pairings, this was my, my thought was like, well, actually these are quite literally about people who have left a particular world in search Mm -hmm. of something better. Um, (laughs) There are, there are very different outcomes for (laughs) (laughs) where we end up with that. Um, But I think we might talk, I have a question that I want to talk about later that I think might um, kind of get at some of the like, weird actual plot resonances between some of these stories. Yeah. So then we did Randomize, is that right? Um, By Andy Weir. And Mm -hmm. we, which one did we pair that with? Did we pair, I think we paired that with um, You Have Arrived at Your Destination. Well, sort of. No, so we paired that with Summer Frost. Mm. Because it was was a a first, last, second, Oh, okay. Three, four. So you went from your favorite two to your least favorite two in the next set? I think. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Good talk. <laughs> um, I th- so yes, I, that is right. Okay, I, I do remember that. Yes. So the reason that, that I thought about pairing these, um, and this was a lot more the, the story, the idea behind the Ford collection, which we may have heard a couple of times, which it really took a what is a piece of technology that's sort of coming about now and like think about that a couple of years in the future and what that would end up looking like mm-hmm. and um these two well blake crouch was the author of one of them so he presumably already had this story written when uh he had the request to other authors in mind that um, would have been but... stunning if he came up with this thing and then had to scramble to write a story about it <laughs> That I I would much more sympathize uh, with that rather than what happened. Um, And I mean, I guess I could also like looking back on this, say we're pairing the shortest with the longest, um, but that was uh, happenstance rather than anything else. So, but really to me, these were the two that um, somebody got prompt A and wrote story that 
followed it exactly and we got story A from prompt A. Whereas the other ones took a little bit more of, uh, dare I say, a creative artistic route rather than I'm going to do exactly what it said and see what happens. Uh, other ones had a story already written and went, yeah, sure, this will work, and just <laughs> sent it in. Um, Which was sometimes more successful. than Yeah. I, so I wonder if they, they took some notes rather than, like, having a story already written. I just, I don't think, I think that, that at least some of these, like, have a nod toward uh, the prompt. Yeah. I would, for this pairing, too, I would also say that they are... And although this could be said to some extent about other stories that we read, they're both about (laughs) A, people who think they're the smartest person in the room, Um, but also B, about that particular type of personality attempting to control the uncontrollable. Right. In in many ways, they're also about the dangers of technology more than where the rest of the stories are. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're both addressing the idea that a a, a novel advancement can ultimately bring about the end of a certain aspect of society or perhaps the entire world. Mm-hmm. And efforts made to head that off, some more successful than others, but all ultimately kind of striving towards the goal of wrecking society for their own personal reasons. Yeah. Which So that leaves us with our final two, which was our middle pairing. Mm-hmm. Which was um, you, you have arrived at your were? you have arrived at your destination <laughs> by Amor Tolls. I was not. <laughs> it helps to have them in front of you. I do have them in front of me, and the last conversation by Paul Trim Trim. Did we decide that was Trimblay Trimbley Trimblay? It doesn't matter. I think I decided on Paul Trimblay, but mm-hmm. yeah, that'll work. Sounds good. Um, so and- that was our last. That was our last pairing, and these two stories had some interesting resonances for me um, between the idea of, well, they're both like weird commentaries on parenting um, Mm -hmm. and deciding on the course of a life. Uh, They come out once again in very different ways, um, but on the idea that you can control and direct the course of someone else's life and what that means and what your reaction to that is. That's put in a way that uh, you're, you're, degree shows a little bit (laughs) which i really appreciate because i mean to me it was just a the i mean to a certain extent these were sort of the two left over um and to me that they 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 were the most forgettable um and we you know we sort of talked a little bit about especially the last conversation but both like to a large extent both of them being a meat and potatoes like a perfectly fine uh, short story mm-hmm. and um, that's really what I got from from both of these um, and entertainingly they diverged as I've consumed them more than one. Oh, interesting I will be fascinated to see how that has affected your ranking and thoughts about these stories overall yeah What's interesting for me is that these were the only two that I knew you guys paired because I think you told me that these two were paired. So mm-hmm. I actually thought about it a little mm-hmm. bit. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of it because it's two characters that are going in opposite directions to arrive at the same point. Hmm. Of where one character has no concept of who they are and is slowly learning it to come to a realization that you know destabilizes the ultimate package or leaves them uncertain as to their future like death. The other character starts out absolutely convinced of who they are just because they haven't been thinking about it. And then is forced to do so and then kind of loses track and gains uncertainty as they go. And so I kind of liked that idea of the pairing just because it was psychologically looking at two characters as they're going through some kind of 
either midlife or birth crisis as they go about their hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about I hadn't thought about thinking about the characters of our narrator in "You Have Arrived at Your Destination" and our um, sort of eyes into the scene X in the last conversation. I hadn't thought about them together, mm-hmm. but there are. You're right. There are interesting kind of. Um, there's an interesting relationship between between their arcs as well. It, it, it's a it's a weird kind of focus because the main character in You've Arrived at Your Destination isn't the initial focus or what you would think is the main focus of the story because the story is more focused on, at first, his children and mm-hmm. what his children are going to be like. Mm-hmm. And whereas with The Last Conversation, you think our perspective is going to be ultimately the main character, but in reality, he's just more of a conduit for the scientist who mm-hmm. ultimately turns out to be the main character. So it's, again, it's stories moving in opposite directions but kind of going over some of the same points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk more about kind of point of view in these stories later in our conversation because that's a fun one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is wild. So yeah, that, that's that's almost one of the most most interesting things this collection did. More so than the prompt. The prompt yes. was interesting background, but yes. work done with respect to perspectives. There was a lot of interesting choices made by the writers here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I am very excited to talk about that with you all. Let's do our initial rankings. Or I guess our final rankings. Yes. Um, we, have, we have arrived at our destination. Let's do our final rankings. Yeah. Let's do it this way, too. Just make it a little bit of a surprise. Let's start. What was everybody's six, five, four? We'll, we'll pick okay. them together and then, and then yell at each other. Okay. Sounds good. So we're going to start with our least favorite out of all of them. And, you know, just because I was inspired in the last time with this, I also have uh, food comparisons that came to mind when I was thinking about them on the fly like 20 minutes ago. So I can also say those as well. Okay. Do we want to do that at the same time? Sure. I'm sure. happy Let's to do it. that. I'm going to do mine on the fly. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> we'll, we'll mix them. Okay. So, number six. Yes. What did everybody say was the bottom of the forward collection? In there? I'm, I'm happy to start if you want. Uh, actually, can everyone still hear me? I'm, I'm cutting out. Yep. Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, we just Sorry. got quiet. I'm, I am I am 1,000% sure about mine. I'm happy to start as well. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm almost certain that you and I are going to differ on this, Sarah. But I think we me, probably are. Bottom was randomized by anywhere. Okay. Sarah. Uh, Unsurprisingly. Summer Frost. Oh, <laughs> I am shocked. <laughs> and, I'm almost too shocked for words. And so, very funny, I went from one to the other. So okay. Where did you start and where did you end up? Mm-hmm. Of all of the short stories, Randomize was definitely my, my least favorite. Um, but having to consume them... <laughs> Multiple, multiple times, times. I, I could not bring myself to go through Summer Frost a third time. <laughs> and, and you know, part of that's going to be the length um, and, mm-hmm. you know, how or how long it takes to listen to or whatever. Um, but the, the frustrations that I had with consuming Summer Frost got worse each time. And I found new things to dislike, whereas <laughs> Randomize... There aren't new things to dislike. It's just, it is what it is. It's not great. It's not the worst thing that I've read. It's not good, but that's it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there isn't a lot more to think about and be like, oh, I forgot that that was a thing and I hate that now. Yeah, and I've been thinking about, especially because I think it's interesting that you you switched your bottom, BJ. Welcome. Welcome to the correct <laughs> answer. But... Um, <laughs> Oh, we're going to fight this now. <laughs> but, Spencer, I have, because I, I suspected that you were going to put Randomize below 
Summer Frost. And so I've been mm -hmm. thinking about, because I agree with everything that you say about randomized. So I've been thinking about why I, I have such a visceral reaction to Summer Frost that I do not have to randomize. And, and I've been thinking about it in kind of the context of this whole collection as well which is really <laughs> hit or miss on how these stories go. Which um, is funny yes, because yes. it's Blake Grouches and he's the I one know. that put together the collection. <laughs> um, but what I, what I have kind of landed on is what really bothers me about Summer Frost, even though I think that it has some elements that are actually much technically better than Randomize, is that it is, there is no joy in the writing of Summer Frost. You can tell... Um, Andy Weir loved writing Randomize. Andy, Andy Weir loved writing Randomize. And he loved writing the science in Randomize. Yeah, that's, that's certainly and, true. And Although the, I think it the, buoyed him through the rest of it. And the nerdy computer guy who is super excited to get his hands on the latest and greatest computer. Those are yeah. one and the same. But I, and you know, we have a whole bunch of other stories in this collection, like the last conversation, for example, that are not like, they're not cheery stories, but you can tell that there is like, that there is real kind of effervescence and joy that went into the writing of it. That for me, Summer Frost is such, is so flat that I just can't get over it. I fully respect that. I've actually, let me just clarify something. Is everyone going, are you two both now going to pick randomized for number five? Oh, indeed. Yeah. Okay. So let's just talk about these two together because I'm going to pick yeah. Summer Frost for number five. Okay. We're okay. all pretty much in the same boat when it comes to these. Yes. I'm 100% there with you that Summer Frost is the most bland entry in the collection. It is, there is not much life in it. There is not much character. It baffles me when people talk about how much the characters resonated with them <laughs> when they read this story. It is heartless and soulless, but it isn't in my mind, objectively bad. I, that's one of the differences, is that Randomize is just a poorly done story. Summer Frost has components that I can imagine working. Like if a heavy rewrite was done, Summer Frost has enough, helped by the fact it's 74 goddamn pages, <laughs> that a successful story could be pulled out of that. And it has the threads and it has some classic resonance with respect to some well-trod tropes. Whereas Randomize, is aggressively trying to satisfy the prompt and then doing nothing else with it. And well, that, see, I, I think that you that randomized could have been a heist story. Yes, and it would have been great if it had stayed a heist story. I think, it, yeah, I think it would. Have or been it would have been fine. I yeah, agree. It would have Sorry, been I don't mean to. Fine <laughs> if we didn't get like the first act intro of whatever was going on that Andy Weir decided that he had to talk about a super cool computer case and kind of the functions of quantum computing. But here's the thing. And Sarah, you said before how much you love heist stories. Now, you were almost hopeful for this because it was going to be a heist story. Mm -hmm. This is the most token additional heist story you could ever add into this. This is just, this is in my mind anywhere saying, oh man, we get to talk about these cool computers, but I need some justification for talking about these cool new computing technology. I know, I'll throw in a half-hearted heist to wrap up the story at the end, and then find a way of putting a bow on it that is the most illogical way that any of these stories ever explore. I mean, that is fair. And I do believe that in our in our recap of this story, I did compare it fairly, I um, <laughs> confirm, <laughs> to Melancholy Elephants. Yes, uh, you did. <laughs> for that reason. But for me, 
one of the main drawbacks of Summer Frost is that it also does the melancholy elephants thing in also terrible writing that is longer and with characters that are so unlikable to me that I can't, and not purposefully unlikable, I don't think. No, no. I, I honestly think he wants us to care about these characters and how they end. I just don't think it's successful in that regard. Absolutely not. Um, um, but, I, mean, I, I think we ultimately have similar opinions here. It's just which one pisses us off more. Yes, it is, it is yep. where we place the weight of our caring in this moment. So... so. If you were to decide if, uh, if a food comes to mind with considering your particular rage directed at these stories, what would it be? I'm happy to go first because I Please have do. a doozy for Summer Frost. Okay. Please. <laughs> so it would be classified under avocado toast. However, instead of toast, it would be Wonder Bread. <laughs> it would have kimchi with bacon bits in it and then chocolate shavings on top. Okay. With an unripe avocado for whatever namesake it needed to be to be avocado toast. It <laughs> is completely unlikable with all of its additions, though some of the thought behind it might have been okay. And it just went with all of the trends that were of the day mm-hmm. to make it a complete dish. I don't have a specific dish that I am thinking of in this moment, but I, I want to echo, I think that my thought... My food-related thought about this story is very similar, except that I am I am putting it under the category of a sort of burnt Victorian feast, <laughs> simply because it is so it is so overwrought mm-hmm. and ornate. It has gone well beyond <laughs> a, a burned Christmas fruitcake. Uh, yes, maybe mm, <laughs> a burned mm, burned plum pudding. Yeah, um, it has too much shit in it. Mm-hmm. And it's poorly prepared, and it is satisfying some weird requirement for over-elaboration. And it's a hint on Instagram. Mm. I, Excellent, I went yes. A, I went a very similar route in terms of describing the story, where I described it as a nouveau cuisine overmade spaghetti with overcooked noodles from the Cheesecake Factory. Okay. <laughs> I like it. it I don't, know why, I don't know why you had to bring the Cheesecake Factory into this, no, but sure, go ahead. Cheesecake Factory was specifically <laughs> done, done for this reason. I actually am okay with the Cheesecake Factory, but for the one factor I assigned it here at the last end of the story, of where, I mean, like you guys said, this thing is just, it is trying to be novel by bringing in all these, you know, additions and new age flavors into what should be a very traditional dish, and is finding a way to butcher it even at its most fundamental level in that regard. Mm-hmm. It's like, you added in ingredients that have no business business being here, and then you somehow still got the noodles wrong. And then once you've ordered this and once you've realized it, it's delivered to you in these giant cheesecake factory bowls. Oh, yes. Fill the table in a way that you're just looking at like this, like the burden you need to suffer through now because you spent $45 on something that should have been a $10 bowl. You had to just sandwich all those things in there. I did. And then you have to determine whether you are brave enough to not take the leftovers home. <laughs> <laughs> Having spent the purposely overpriced amounts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, uh, for randomized, yeah. I described it as an as a undercooked stuffed tomato with paste-like filling. Interesting. Or okay. It, hmm. it only looks interesting upon initial appearance. And then you realize that nothing about this was put together right, and the ultimate purpose inside isn't success. All right. BJ, what about you? Um, I'm going to go with a uh, what looks like a lemon meringue pie, but somebody decided to take uh, like curry pickle lemons for the 
lemon uh, inside. And so it went horribly. They followed the wording, but nothing else about it. But the meringue's still okay. Okay. All right. I, 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 we're getting really into the weeds with this, and I like it. I'm just, you're, we're, we're feeling the particular flavor groups of this. I, yeah, so, I, I enjoy this. What you got? Um, this randomize for me was a licorice candy. It is uh, joyful and effervescent, but I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm with you. So you right. had uh, good and plenty of this story. <laughs> uh, now, now that we've gotten the two kind of, I think, like obvious choices out of the way, yeah. mm-hmm. now we're going to get into the weeds a little bit. Yes. I would guess, although I might be wrong about this, because BJ, you said that your, some of your opinions had shifted mm-hmm. uh, in latter days. Yes. Based on our our initial episodes about each of these stories, I would guess that we have a kind of middle pairing that we could talk about. Is that or is that not still true for you? Uh, that that is still true. Okay. Um, um, so we have marginal shifts, not yes, <laughs> huge swings. I, okay. I aim to defy and disappoint you with these. Please, with this, with, okay. With these Tell me. Um, uh, so Spencer, what is your what is your f- number four? Well, number four is not going to be any damn surprise. Uh, I liked this story, but you have arrived at your destination for me is ultimately number four, just because mm. I liked the other stories. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, I thought it was on the whole rather successful, but just wasn't that well structured and put together in the end. I mean, I, I really liked some of the themes it went into. I really liked the depth that went into the psychology of the main character, but it had a really jarring pairing going from the beginning to the middle to the end with a perspective of it that didn't ultimately work that well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, what is your number four, BJ? Um, possibly, surprisingly, uh, it, that is also my number four. Okay. Um, um, I can just sort of pull the rug out and say it's my number four as well, so would we like hey, to talk about this one? Just so everybody brain. is on the same page. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have arrived at the same place. Did you guys have some more thoughts on the story? I did. I liked this story fine. I kind of enjoyed reading it. I did feel like you, Spencer, that it was a little disjointed between the front half and the back half, and the the ending was less than Bizarro. satisfying, um, one might say. Although I do not want to fall into some of my one-star reviews and say it was confusing. Like, I think I know what happened. It was just odd. Um, so, I but I liked, I don't know, I liked the middle of this story. I actually liked the beginning of this story, and I liked the middle of this story, although not unlike Randomized, they felt like different stories. Yeah. Um, I think that, as we've, we've talked a number of times, short stories really benefit when an author goes for certain things in their story, sticks with them, and like you don't have a complete book. You don't have um, exploration of all of the dimensions of... Um, a storyline and I think this was one of the better ones that sort of really attempted to do all of those things and do um, a little bit more of the plot and characters and and world building than it would have ever been successful at in the time that it had mm-hmm. and so you know we Instead of getting the character development that we ended up getting in arc through flashbacks, we got sort of a little bit of character development that way, but also like 60% of the story was character development of a character that we that never matters, 
and is only vaguely reflected in the the protagonist. So, I mean, while it, it was fine in a lot of ways, I think that, that it sort of failed in the way that so many short stories do when the person crafting them isn't comfortable with that medium. Mm-hmm. So what what foods might we associate with this story? Uh, I described it, I described it as a poorly wrapped burrito that has a fly in it. <laughs> up where it, it, it was a good, up where it was wrapped nice and pretty, and I opened it up and immediately spilled out. Because all the ingredients tasted pretty good, but then I came to the end of it and there was just suddenly a fly at the bottom of the wrapper. I'm like, what the hell are you doing there? My uh, <laughs> my food is very different from yours, but has a similar similar ending to it. Uh, the, this story for me is a sort of like the life-sustaining cocktail peanuts that you eat while sitting at a bar while having too many drinks that are really, really delicious when you first start eating them. And then you can't stop eating them out of a compulsion because you have lost all of your inhibitions due to the gin and tonics that you're drinking. And then at the end, there is a lemon rind. I think that's very in keeping with where most of the story spends its time. Yes. BJ. Uh, BJ. So I'm going to go with, um, you know, a, a chain restaurant lobster tail that for some ungodly reason, when they decided to stuff it, it was with mashed potatoes. Oh, and so <laughs> none of it makes sense. None of it's properly executed. But it's a meal that, like, when you look at the ingredients, they're all fine. And I guess they, like, could be on the same plate, but it was just poor execution and a poor decision all around. And you're also concerned about the sourcing of this lobster tail? Yeah, you're concerned about the sourcing. You're concerned about, like, you know, how rubbery is it going to be? But all in all, it, like, is a meal and and it's hearty. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Shall we move on to number three? Yeah, because, Spencer, this seems like where we might lose you. Spencer, are you... What do you are you putting arc here? I think you're putting emergency skin here. If I had to bet, I think you're putting emergency skin here. Are those your respective bets? Yes. I think emer- emergency skin is more likely, but yes. It, it is emergency skin I'm placing here. And it okay. is no judgment on the story. I just ultimately the the two that are above it resonated with me more than they did. Mm. Of where I thought Interesting. it was a very okay. a very uniquely done, well-crafted story that ultimately by the end I approved of it. I thought I I can fully see why it is re- why, why it is doing so well, but I probably won't remember it as much as the other two outside of a couple months. Mm-hmm. No, I think I, that's interesting and honestly probably fair. So are you then putting? Can I go out on a limb and say that you're putting the last conversation at number three or at number two? I mean. I ain't telling you shit until you tell me what your next story is. <laughs> oh, okay. The The last conversation yeah. is number three for me. Yeah. And, and three for me as well. Um, Although I completely, I understand your logic. And I will say that like going for me, the further I have gotten away from these stories, the closer the last conversation and emergency skin have gotten for me. Um, yeah. And it is entirely for me. Apologies to N.K. Jemison, but it is entirely for me based on the audible narration. And mm-hmm. I was almost purposely trying to divorce those two from mm-hmm. each other when it came to this, because Jason Isaacs is a gem. Yeah. He has a blast with this, and I'm, if, I, I want to eventually ask you guys what your favorite narrator was and do that ranking. Because mm-hmm. for me, he's got to be at near the top of the list, just for how much he ultimately solidified and in, in many ways improved this story for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
standing on its own, it is very uniquely done. It has a wonderful tone. N.K. Jemison is a master of an intro. She, in every story I've ever read of hers, grabs me in the first five pages, and it is impressive how unique that can be. It's just, by about the middle, I was still enthused, but from there on out, the story trails off pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think in some ways that's kind of how N.K. Jemison often comes across to me, where I love the beginnings of her stories, I love the first entries in her, in her series, and the rest just don't ultimately stick with me as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's. I think all of those criteria are fair. Um, Do you want to give I, your food now, and then we'll talk about the last conversation, or shall we talk about the last conversation and then do food in general? Yeah, let's do let's do the last conversation and um, emergency skin kind of together mm-hmm. because we very clearly all have the same number one at this point, and so maybe we can talk about that at the end. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, to, to avoid any ambiguity, last conversation is number two for me. So, okay. Yeah, I'm per- perfectly happy to, pa- to pair the two. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't mean to just thrust that on you, Spencer. No, but... you're, you're fine. Well, you, you, uh, not uh, totally we, purposely, but... We've known each other a few years now. There's not that many secrets here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, just to say opinions on last conversation, uh, mm. uh, like you guys, these last three, I liked quite a bit. These were the three that really completed the collection. My mind had justified, you know, getting invested in the, in the collection. Mm-hmm. And so the differences between them were smaller than the differences between the first three that we discussed. I think the yeah. ultimate winner is still a strong winner, but between Last Conversation and Mercy Skin, they're both very solid stories in different ways, though. Yeah, I think Mercy Skin is trying to be a lot more unique and novel than The Last Conversation ever is really attempting. Mm-hmm. Well... So to me, these are the two stories that the authors really had a, a an idea in their mind of how they wanted their the art received, mm-hmm. and in terms of like how they did the uh, voice of the story, and I think were really interesting ideas, and and so. Um, I really agree with you. I think that these were the most interesting of mm-hmm. the collection. It's, a, it's actually a really fun pairing now that you mentioned it, is that from, from the perspective of having that kind of distant narrator that you can't really control that's guiding your actions, they really do have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're also the three that um, diverge from the prompt the most. Yeah, or at least that are that are that are um, engaging with technologies that are furthest in the future. We might say too, or scenarios mm-hmm. that are furthest in the future. Yeah, um, um, yeah. So, do we want to do? I mean, I, so I I feel like both you and I, Sarah, like haven't really talked about the last conversation. Um, yeah. Oh, that's true. As much or emergency skin, and we've we've uh, made the talent do do most of the work as we usually do. <laughs> well. Um, l- l- I'll make your, your y'all's comments on emergency skin, and let's discuss last conversation separately. Okay. Think it merits its own yeah. entry. Okay. So I I decided my understanding and approach to the project of the forward collection, and I think that it is completely fair that you went based essentially on the written story, Spencer. That is, I would do that on any other story that we read. Mm-hmm. My understanding of the project of the forward collection and the way that it was released was that these um, kind of audible narrations were intrinsic to the stories themselves. So I felt completely fair in judging them also 
based on the audio experience of the stories, which is ultimately why I put um, Emergency Skin above The Last Conversation for me. And I, and I in no way second guess your decision there. I think that's a perfectly justifiable way of reviewing these stories based on how they presented them to us. We were given a pairing for each of these stories at the very start. Where here's yeah. the text, here's the audible, enjoy both. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, the, the audio versions of books are usually not like specifically curated I mean, for it that way. They, they choose somebody they think is going to be good for a particular story, especially, you know, increasingly recently. Um, but mm-hmm. it's not so intimately connected as I think these stories are with, with the narration. And as I talked about in the episode for Emergency Skin, I wonder if the authors were given, were told in advance that that was going to be the case based on the types of perspectives that we got in these stories. Yeah. Because I feel like Jemison's story was written for someone to read out loud. I also, I, like some of my guess would be they were, they might have been allowed the option to do this. And it's like, hey, like this is like, we're planning to release it on Audible. And if you would like, you can work with a reader and choose somebody and, and you know, that go might that be true route. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's almost hard for me to just think about it in retrospect, just based on how good Jason Isaac's, Jason Isaac's um, recording of it is. Mm-hmm. But the way he did it, it al- like you said, sir, it almost like it was purposely written as a radio play. Yes. It, mm-hmm. it flows so well with his presentation and flows so well with being separate voices of the characters in a way that you wouldn't always naturally do reading it. Mm-hmm. And voice is so important for that story, just based on the fact we don't have one for the narrator. It's right. only other voices that are guiding their actions and influencing what they do. And we can only imagine in our heads what the voice of the the voice of the actual eyes on the screen really is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I find that novel and interesting and worthy of credit. And I think the the last conversation would have been impressively good as a radio play, and it just didn't quite get there. And I, and thinking about it, like I think it would have been better than emergency skin with you know a little bit of foley work you know some of the sounds of the Mm. treadmill you know somebody stumbling their way around a room stuff like that like really put you in the um perspective of x which i I think that even the uh uh that gap in the story where like you're really supposed to fill in yourself with the the Mm-hmm. protagonist mm-hmm. but we as we as we talked about in our episode on the last conversation too um there are as much as that story in 98 percent probably works as being just read as a radio production and you could insert the fully work and it would be really effective there are a couple of disjointed moments between how you would read it on the t- on the page and how you mm-hmm. listen to it um yeah. specifically around the kind of blank that you are allowed to have in um in the reading experience and the x that you listen to which changes interpretations of of how you're thinking about the story um which does is is such a small point and it doesn't really matter because i did think that the story was ultimately very successful um but is different from Emergency Skin, which doesn't have that gap. Yeah. For me, one of the things that, one of the reasons, well, there's, there's a couple reasons I feel like Emergency Skin was more successful as an audiobook than uh, The Last Conversation was. Partly that Stephen Strait does fine in doing the narration of The Last Conversation. 
Mm-hmm. It's pr- it's pretty monotone. He's not doing much with it. He's just kind of reading it. So I, it's harder to see what necessarily the heights of it could be. Mm-hmm. I also feel like it, it struggles as an audiobook just because it's purposefully slow in a way that a lot of the other stories aren't. Yes. And it's successfully slow in a way that some of those mm-hmm. stories are like, like, like Summer Frost is dirt slow, but it's not trying to be. Yes. Last conversation, <laughs> last conversation is intentionally plotting. It has a build. It has a purpose. It has a direction. And it's patient enough to take its time to get there. And that's something that could work in a radio in a radio play and an audiobook, but I, I don't I just don't think it would work as naturally just because you, there's an inherent amount of patience that has you you have to put into it that I think people are more willing to do in a text than they are in a um, either like a mini series or um, a audio version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just, just in reaction to it, I very much enjoyed the last conversation. I really love the almost change up of who the main character focus is. I felt a lot for both of the characters in the end. Mm-hmm. It was a surprisingly emotional journey given that the main character starts out without a concept of emotion. And seeing where that ends up with that building knowledge and with that ultimate real tragedy that's associated with the story, it resonated with me quite a bit. It was one of the most successfully sad collection uh, in a way that I don't think many of the other ones either weren't trying to be or were halfway trying but just not succeeding. I also think it was a really good short story to convey an e- eerie feeling. Mm-hmm. That really like, yeah, of discomfort that isn't like there's something scary out there or, you know, a lot of other ways that places have gone with some of the horror that we've done. And it was such a... It, that feeling of unease was masterfully done because it was so subtle but pervasive throughout the story, which mm-hmm. is so, so difficult to do. It, yeah. it's, it's one thing I love to talk about in writing in terms of just a, the power of a transition and the power of a build mm-hmm. of where that's a difficult thing to do because it requires your entire structure, your entire story to be built around it. But this story really has a steady progression and a steady build for a purpose. And mm-hmm. I compliment them that. We describe the story as being ultimately unflashy, but eminently successful. And I think that really describes it well, is that though there are some very unique aspects to it, it is a pretty traditional science fiction story. Mm-hmm. But it's just a very excellently distilled way of doing that. And we describe this, as we've, we've talked about, we describe this in our episode on The Last Conversation as a meat and potato story. Yep. Our, are our food pairings going to be meat and potatoes based? Well, you guys picked this one as number three, so let's start with the last conversation. What would you guys pick uh, as your uh, as the food as the food assignment for this? Would it be a steak and potatoes or something similar? So yeah. it would for me. It would be a meat-based dish, um, but it would be a little more interesting, I think, than just a steak and potatoes. For me, it would be like a beautifully cooked lamb chop that has like just enough kind of gaminess that I'm that I'm into it. But with a, like a slightly crystallized mint jelly on top of it, like, it's just <laughs> just a little off in the execution, guys. Um, yeah, I would say I, I was thinking something similar, and I was waffling between something that was a little bit more plain and boring that had like a little bit to spruce it up. But I would say like I really agree with like the lamb, so I'd go with like an asabuco, mm-hmm. um, and then you know something rich like a maybe a risotto with it and but you don't get to have the wine that it really needs <laughs> oh like so you've got something lacking as opposed to something extra that's not right right okay yes in, in my mind this is like 
a you're going to a restaurant and there's a you're going to a nice restaurant and for some reason there's a chicken fried steak on the menu and it feels odd that it's there but you order it and it's remarkably good it's homey it's effective it is a classic dish that is done perfectly right from like the southerner sci-fi perspective and of course with a nice (laughs) side of mashed potatoes and gravy just to round out the experience it wouldn't be you know like the one that they would necessarily advertise is come to our restaurant we've got chicken fried steak but when you're there it's the one that the that the chef really actually maybe had the most heart in i like it uh Number one, I think, you know, by process of elimination, I have theories well, about whatever. Well, we, we haven't have done do our emergency food skin. for emergency skin. I'm jumping it by mine because I, <laughs> I was already past it. Uh, what, what would it be for y'all? This one's tough. I can start just because I, I wrote down something that I don't know if I can justify it, but it was the first thing that came to mind. Please go, Spencer. Uh, an artfully done French toast from a high-class restaurant of where there's a clear amount of craft. There's a clear amount of very carefully done presentation. It's delicious to the taste, but ultimately, sh- really sugary desserts just ultimately don't, don't don't sit as well for me. So I can absolutely admire its artistry. I can a- absolutely imagine that it is a well-done dish by a quality chef. And ultimately, I can just say that it just didn't fit as perfect for my belly or what I needed. Okay. Um, I was going the same direction with, with the dessert. So there's a um, dessert that was on... That, that was super popular for a little while in uh, a number of circles. And I think it was on uh, Australian MasterChef. And so it's this um, hot chocolate sauce that is poured over what ends up being petals of chocolate that open up to like a cold dessert inside. And everything about it, the presentation, everything about it is gorgeous. And you want to tell everybody about it. And it's so cool. And I would love eating like a quarter of it. <laughs> yeah, very similar idea. Very similar idea. I um I am also going dessert on this. Hey! Um, <laughs> and and I would like to preface this by saying that I have specifically been thinking in my food pairing with this story about Jason Isaac's reading of this story as well, which is so over the top. Um, mm-hmm. But I've been thinking um, that for me. This story is like a compost cookie. Okay. Where... For a second, I thought you were going baked Alaska because I can't think of an, a more <laughs> or, over-the-top or, dessert. What What about a Principe case? Okay. <laughs> um, both of which have been featured on Great British Baking Show. But um, I, I'm thinking about a compost cookie because like, ultimately it's something I really, really like with interesting surprises in it mm-hmm. that I don't want all the time. Um, but I can very happily have an evening of eating 12 of them <laughs> and feel a little sick the next morning. <laughs> I, and th- like, and I like that analogy because this is a story that like I would go back to and eventually get sick of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would also be sick of kind of the, the structure of this story. If I saw it reproduced, even from different authors, in in different veins um because it i mean like for example a compost cookie or the kind of social media sensation of the chocolate or the weird obsession everyone has with french toast um Mm -hmm. like it it is very particular to an individual and can be overdone really really fast I think another point of comparison there for me as well is just the difference about how much I can go back to text versus how rarely I ultimately go back to an audiobook. Mm, mm-hmm. Of where 
a book that I quite enjoyed, I can pick that up and start at any point in that and happily open it up and just keep on reading again as if I'd never stop. I've got a whole collection of novels of where I will just bring them on a trip, open to a random page, and just start from there, and I will enjoy it. I've found audiobooks much harder to do that with and ultimately enjoy them in a very different way that my mind has less staying power. I, I think that's fair enough. I mean, the, the medium itself makes it difficult to have this kind of ongoing relationship with the text. But uh, unless anyone has any, fur any further comments, shall we discuss our winner? Yes. Uh, Ark by Veronica Roth here. Number, mm -hmm. number one with a bullet. Yes. And where we, where we started and where we end, I adored this story. It was such a delight to read. Uh, and even going back and rereading it for this, it was still really resonating with me and still really well. Yeah, I have no complaints about this story. I loved everything about it and will probably read it multiple times um, going forward. And it was interesting because I liked everything about it. I liked the narration and, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this eventually. I don't think she was the best narrator, but mm -hmm. I think the story carried it well enough that it didn't matter. Um, I don't know that this is my favorite of all of the short stories that we've read, but it's really high up there. Uh, you mean beyond this collection? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I mean, it's, it, I don't have much to say. It's, it's, it's almost hard to discuss a story you like quite a bit just because you don't have as much to focus mind on. It was just a very complete package. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it did its ending very well, which is something I always appreciate, just given how hard endings can be. Mm -hmm. so, surprisingly, it didn't confuse us. But um, <laughs> well, as, people on the internet are easily confused. Yes, um, but I, I think that you know we've talked about this a couple of times in this episode and, and excuse me, Arcs episode, and a number of our other short story episodes where this had one thing that it was going to explore and then there was a backdrop of the world that it was in yes. and it did that well it did character exploration mm -hmm. and it knew where it was going it had a path it had vignettes it had all of the things that it needed to have and pretty much nothing nothing extra we've talked about how hard it can do a, how hard it can be to do a character journey in a short story just because of the compressed space the limited amount of time and how quickly you can get off the rails about where you actually need to go. Mm -hmm. So the fact this has a complete, very successful character journey in it, in a way that several of these other stories struggled with, is a rare gem. Mm -hmm. So what would we food pair this with? The first one that came to mind for me uh, was Cookies Sent From mm. uh, where um, my parents have developed a tradition whenever, when I went away from home, of where during holidays or whenever they thought that I could use them, they would just send a nice batch of chocolate of um, chocolate chip cookies that my dad baked the old family recipe and biting into one of those would just bring back waves of nostalgia that would just make me feel at home wherever i would be and this story just took me home to all the things i loved about sci-fi and all the things that what about you bj yeah i'm interestingly also going dessert um i think it's because it was sort of a sweet a very sweet story in the end um and you're, you're talking about like uh, nostalgia from home made me sort of rethink the I was initially going to say a lemon bar because I really like them and there are good lemon bars and there are bad lemon bars but they're all good <laughs> um, and so like going back to it like yeah you know on you know the second time I read it it wasn't 
quite as good as the first because it's no longer novel, but it's still really good. Um, but I'm actually going to go with something a little, a lot more nostalgic for me, which is a poppy seed cake. Oh, mm. that's a good choice. Um, which I, I have eaten many times to my chagrin more than is at, at all reasonable for one person, let alone probably the three to four people that I ate for. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, that's where I'm going with this. Well, I'm going to steer away from the dessert, although I understand the impulse. Um, But for me, this was such a refreshing story to read, just on all counts, that this is like a, although it is, I will go into the nostalgia, but it is a sort of picnic-eaten alfresco in your neighborhood park when you're growing up. Like, this is salads and bread and wine and like all of the really refreshing things in the world um brought home really interesting for me i've talked about people for now too how much a feeling of home and bittersweet nostalgia you just get from Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, it it has just such a delightful tone of melancholy that's throughout it all that is almost kind of rare for me well and i mean this is although it is it is set up in the the trappings of a sci-fi story it's the story of leaving home it's the story of leaving your family um, and finding hope in that. Yeah. yeah. And, fi- and finding the ability to leave home mm-hmm. um, in a way that you didn't think you were able to. Yeah. So, yeah. Y'all, I think those were really good choices for, for, for those uh, pairings. Um, given how much we've already discussed it, and Sarah, I really want to go to your segment here. But should we, <laughs> should, should we, should we just uh, do narrators now, just given how much we've already talked about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would let's, be fun. let's do a quick... Yeah, let's let's do a discussion of that. I have almost no idea who I'm going to pick, so I think we can go through this pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> okay, let's, do let, it. Okay, let's reverse it. Let's reverse it because I think I think we have a better idea. Everybody has Jason Isaacs as top. Yeah. I certainly yes. do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, he he gave he gave the story life and legs and had such a just blast with it. He gave me a different perspective on how to even read it with how wonderfully hammy he went through going through it, whereas I was really reading as a much more cold analytical machine rather than just pompous jackass that he had to delight doing. Mm-hmm. And I I will be 100% frank on this. I have I have a top and a bottom for this discussion, and the middle is all kind of sure. glommed yeah. together. Yeah. So I would nominate for you guys' thought uh, Janita Gavankar for second, just because I think she did a lot to save randomize. A lot. I will agree that she. That's interesting. She did well with the story. She clearly was trying very, very hard uh, in terms of giving characterization to characters that were otherwise flat. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of effort put into it. She could not save it, but <laughs> there, I, I can admire her craft in trying to do it. I wouldn't put it in second. I was going to put it in the middle, mm-hmm. but I, I fully understand your choice. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of okay with that choice. I like. Um, I liked Rachel Evan Wood's narration uh, she, of our. She's my number two. She's my um, number two. I mean, I think she had good material to work with, so it's a little difficult. Yeah, and you know, it's it's a it it's hard to compare because it's like I think she did a reasonable job and then had the best to work with, basically. But I also think she fit the tone of the story she was dealing with really well. And that was where I was going to give her credit. I don't think she... She wasn't trying to be flashy. She didn't do much to, you know, 
extra voice the characters or bring them to life in the same way that Jason Isaacs did. But she perfectly hit the melancholy tone of the story and mm-hmm. kept it and went with it. Mm-hmm. And that deserves credit. It res- it did not expand the story, but it resonated with the story. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that for what the story was supposed to be, um, that the narrator who did the last conversation did a really good job. Yeah. Who was that? Uh, that was Stephen Strait from The Expanse. I, I know that we, in our conversation about it, we kind of discussed a little bit... Um, we talked a little bit about kind of the monotony of the story and the monotony of the reading, which while it could get annoying in the consuming process was I think part and parcel of what the story itself was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember anything about the narration of <laughs> and nothing stands out to me about the narration of you have arrived at your destination. Uh, it was, it was fine. Fine I'll, for I'll, me. I'll, I'll speak in defense of David Harper there. I thought, I, I thought, I thought, he did a good job embodying the character of where this okay. kind of middle-aged guy that is suddenly having a midlife crisis and is uncertain about what his direction is and is second-guessing all of his choices. I thought he represented that well. I also enjoyed him drunk at the end of the story when he was slurring all of his lines, just as mm-hmm. a design choice. But like you guys said, I think it's, it's kind of in the middle. I, 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 would, I probably would put uh, Janina Gamankar here for number three just because I thought she did a lot to try to improve her story and was clearly working hard for it. And that I would divide in my mind whether Stephen Strait or David Harper would get the next entry. Okay. Last conversation, and you've arrived at your destination. But we all agree that What's Her Face in Summer Frost is the worst. Rosa Salazar, who, <laughs> you know, I have still not listened to the entirety of her narration. <laughs> I've gotten, I tried again, I got about a quarter of the way through it, and I went, okay, I know enough now. I can talk about it from here. It's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, I. I don't think she brought much to a story that brought too much um, and, you know, sort of did her best, but maybe. Um, yeah. Like, I, I think that there was not much that you could do with the story and really trying to act in it like Janita uh, Govancar did in Randomize made the story worse, but that's not really her fault. Um, yeah. and, and so it was sort of trying to like put emotion into things that needed it, but the underlying content wasn't there to make it worthwhile. And so like the, the poor relationship that we got with, you know, the main character's wife and interactions with her child and, and like the ending up love story with the AI, like none of it felt real. And then putting more emotion into it just didn't work. Yeah. yeah. It, it's one of those things where I, I don't I don't want to be too critical of her. I think what she does is functional. I think it just ultimately highlights the defects. And mm-hmm. whereas like Janina Gavankar is trying to is trying to overcome them, is trying to cover them up, and to a limited degree succeeds in a way that doesn't ultimately redeem the story. Whereas Rosa Salazar is kind of just doing a narration of it that just highlights how ultimately uh, emotionless the story is. Yeah. Yeah, and I I will say, and this is not this is not a fair criticism so I don't mean it like that because I hate when when people say this particularly about women on this channel we embrace these things go on <laughs> but I just like I personally can't and and I don't know if this is like her real voice or something that she has done for this story but I cannot stand her voice 
think we discussed that you have not seen a single film that she's been in, so it's hard I don't for think, me no. to do it. I really don't. I don't think I have. Um, but her voice, as it manifests in this story, really grates on me in ways mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with the story or her performance, unless this voice is a performance. Um, <laughs> I, I, it just, I can't deal with it. Um, so, and, and again... I would love to know. I would love to see behind the curtain to know how these individual narrators were selected. Whether it was done by Blake Crouch or whether it was done by some kind of audio director or whether it was selected by the writers themselves. Yeah. I, we don't have a really clear answer there, but I would love to know more. Yeah. So, do we have other questions that we want to like uh, things around these stories that we want to talk about? Um, I think we've done most of the the summing up. Um... Unless there was something else that either of you wanted to uh, touch on. I, I just kind of want to get to Sarah's game because it sounded fun. <laughs> yeah. If, 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 if any, any other summing up that comes to mind, we can, we can do it at the end. I have other questions that I would love to talk to you all about, but I did want to know if it was time for my game. Yes, let's it is. Do, let's do your game, and then let's return to your questions. You had a few fun questions, I think, that can wrap up our discussion. Okay, okay. So we will, we will take a quick... Quick game break here and go back. Um, So here at the one hour mark of our podcast, we are going back to the segment that I normally do at the beginning of the podcast, which is outrageous one-star reviews. Um, Now, if you were not following all of the one-star reviews or two stars sometimes, as we went through them for the individual stories, there were some weird commonalities between some of the Mm -hmm. complaints that people had uh, about these stories. So what I have done is I have gone through and I have chosen pretty quickly, so we'll see how this actually plays out in practice. Um, but I have chosen a one one-star review for each of our six stories. And mm-hmm. they are vague enough that I should only have to blank out one or two things if they refer to the author or the story title or something recognizable in the story. But they are also specific enough that they, unlike many of the one-star reviews that we have looked at, they have actual, like, content-based complaints about okay. the story, sort of, more or less. So, um, would you all like to play this game? Let's do it. Happily. Would you like to hear all six of six of them and try think... to assign the story from there, or would you like to go one by one? Let's do one by one. I think it's going to okay. be tough to do six and then To remember back. six yeah. of them? Okay. Um, all right. So, I would like to... I will start with this one. I'm trying to go through not in the order that I got them in because that is the order in which <laughs> the stories appear in the forward collection, which is not ideal for the surprise factor. Mm. Okay. So uh, Den863 says, genuinely, uh, genuinely obvious and hackneyed, like the worst tales of the unexpected sick, which I don't know why that's in there, uh, you've ever seen. Stilted, lacked drama and pathos. I'll take another book from this author, but if it's anything like this, that'll be the last one. Hmm. Some of these you might want to do in comparison with another one. Uh, I mean, if we're going to throw out a guess, I, okay. th- I mean, this seems to be pissed off at the ending. Like this, oh, I could see it coming. It was uh, it was always apparent. I'm going to say the last conversation. Yep, that's what like I was going to go with. Some people were pretty pissed at the idea that, oh, I saw the ending coming. It's like, yeah, no shit, that's not the problem. And it locked emotion, presumably purposefully, since they talk about it. So, yeah. Final answer, the last conversation? Yep. I think we're going with it. Ding, ding, ding. You are right. Yay! <laughs> Correct. The on your first rejoices. six. Um, okay, next one from Amanda Young. This, and, 
Well, the, the I guess, is it a title or a header? Some of these have headers to them. This story is extremely full of its own importance at the expense of, expense of having an actual fully developed plot. This is a high-minded story that fails to deliver emotion or meaning beyond its initial premise. You see the commonalities between this and the last one that we talked about. Mm -hmm. At every turn, I expect something, and yet there is nothing to this story that feels like anything more than a dragged-out third act. Interesting. You know what? I'm going to go off-script and say that this is arc. That I I can understand... I strongly disagree, but I understand why people saw this as just high-minded fluff with a good premise that ultimately went nowhere. I so I up until the last part of it I was leaning towards emergency skin and mm. with the last thing you said I felt like I really needed to go back to you have arrived at your destination cuz on brand final answers yes uh, sticking with it BJ you are correct oh damn it fair <laughs> fair perfectly fair um it is possible that I had not read to the end of that to figure out that that actually <laughs> did have a reference to <laughs> And also that reference is 100% something that I would have done in this review, so. (laughs) Um, Okay, so this third one, number three, is from Jesse K, titled Boring, Tiring to Read Slash Listen to. If you dig listening to people describe how sad they are or describe tiny meaningless, meaningless interpersonal details to the nth degree, then I'd guess this is your book. Really not sure why... Why this is even categorized science fiction, there is almost zero science fiction involved? Question mark. That's emergency skin. Uh, I'm actually going to go, I, I, I'm going to double down on it. I, I'm going to say ARC for that one. Final answers? Yeah. Spencer, you've got this one. Ah, we're tied. It is in fact ARC. Yes. Um, which, when I was going through the one-star reviews of ARC, like, a lot of people were concerned about, like, the amount of, quote, meaningless interpersonal details that were Bull described, which I was like, oh, that's shit. fiction. I don't know what to tell you guys. Like, how, how dare you spend time describing and building characters in a world? Very mad about it. <laughs> uh, BJ, we are tied with, with three remaining. I did, yeah. Three, yes, you are both one, one, one. We, have two, we each have two points. Yes. Um, okay, R. Gerard, titled A Thought Exercise That Fails to Come Together as a Narrative, like a bad mystery nov- novel, parentheses, la novella, that fails to engage the reader in a meaningful way, the best thing you can say is that the virtual character has at least a uh, bet, it says, of dimensional depth. All of the humans, as well as their surroundings, are at best cutouts. Give this one a big miss. Summer Frost. Yeah. It is Summer Frost, yes. Uh, The virtual (laughs) character kind of gives it away. I mean, you could argue that the emergency skin had a sort of virtual character, but um, I... Clearly, this review was not written up to your standards, Sarah, but I feel like you co-sign everything in there. It read, that was part of the reason. Of where it, there were aspects of it that could have been emergency skin, but it, what it's saying, I just agreed with so much more for Summer Frost. And mm-hmm. also, you sounded so excited to read it. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's, that's, working the, that's working the moderator there. Okay, so this is L.A. in Dallas who says, Wow, what a disappointment. I am a big fan of X's books, but this one was just awful. That's it's just a tedious thing. sermon about equality and sustainability wrapped yes. up in a tendentious yes. story. Yes. Even if you mostly agree with the content of the sermon, which I do, it makes an exceedingly dull story. I also read that one star review. <laughs> also, I don't know what tendentious means. Is that a word? T-E-N-D-E-N-T-I-O-U-S. It is a word. 
expressing or intending to promote a particular cause or point of view, especially a controversial one? Well, I suppose that I they know. are using it correctly in a sentence. <laughs> Even if I don't agree with their overall point. Do you think they went to a thesaurus for that? I probably, yeah. Right? They had to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried about not knowing this word. <laughs> it's a okay, big Hermione. language, Sarah. You're okay. <laughs> okay, so we are on our last one. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just curious what it is for randomized. Um, it's by uh, Patrick... Burnett. Well, I now I have I have two reviews in my screenshot that I took here, and I'm not sure which I meant to do. Um, but this one is titled "Total Week Tea." This was an oh yes, this was the one I wanted to do. This was an idea shat out without without much thinking, predictable and boring. I expected better from this author. Thank goodness it was free. Wow. Uh, hmm. I don't know if I necessarily would have guessed that that was was randomized without it being the last one, but. It, I'm, I'm with it. I agree. I think this, I would say that this is the one that like the four sentences contained in this review are the ones that kind of apply or resonate with all of the other one star reviews, no matter what the story was. Yeah, but I would agree with the reviewer that to a large extent, Randomize felt like it was the laziest. It is my least favorite thing I've now read by that author. Um, yeah. I'll support that conclusion that there is better to find out there by Andy Weir. Uh, but like you said, this one, it just feels really buying it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank, you, thank you for putting those together, Sarah. That was actually well, a bit of fun. I'm disappointed that BJ and I tied the end. Well, thus is in life, thus is in podcasts. I don't know. Yes. Um, although it does get a little easier as you get towards the end. So maybe next time we will do... Next time we'll do a full list. Six and six, we'll yes. We yeah. Yes, we'll see how, how... Or maybe we can do... Uh, uh, um, if, if you we can, can prepare it separately. A bracket. We can do yes. a bracket, yes. If, if you print us out a screen that we can draw little lines between. between yes. Two different columns. I, it was, to me, very reminiscent of um, those kind Magic. of test questions yes. in... So yeah, so Sarah's going to prepare an English exam with fill in the blank, matching, and <laughs> short answer. And this is we, we will read thing out I've our been test most excited about you. on this podcast. I, I'm going to write it by hand. Good luck with my handwriting, Sarah. I'm going to give you the full teacher and Durs Spencer student writing oh, right there. Oh boy! All right. Um, but in, ter- in terms of a, a prompt to wrap up with, Sarah, you brought up a good one with respect to. Um, uh, was it uh, perspective in, th- in the stories? Uh, yeah, kind of a... point mm-hmm. of view of these stories. Um, yeah. Because obviously we, we've talked about the actual like narrators who are reading the stories, but mm-hmm. we also have the like written narrators of the stories. Yeah. Um, and we have a, a, like a, a plethora of options going on here, which is yeah. is really fascinating to me that, that we got so divergent in, and they're in these six stories. non-overlapping. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting too that the most traditional ones I think were the ultimate the stories I kind of liked least yeah and, and this was what I was thinking about because and I don't know if it has to do partially with the audio format as we've talked about especially with Emergency Skin and how that is successful with the narration mm-hmm. and how that fits in with the perspective that you as the reader are forced into but the stories that were most successful for me were frequently the ones that had the closest first-person narrator. Yeah. Um, where I could well, really inhabit Ark, who that character was. Arc except was, for Ark. Yeah. Ark was, I guess, in, to an extent, the most similar to You Have Arrived at Your Destination in terms of like how 
it was sort of uh, set within a first person view, but semi uh, semi omniscient. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a bound first person view in the sense that it was free. It was it was it's told in third person. I think throughout throughout the whole story, if I'm remembering correctly. Right. But it's bound to her perspective, but is content to explore that perspective across time and across mm-hmm. in, a, in a way that gives us an interesting kind of freeform analysis of the character. Um, and and I, with you have arrived at your destination, you get a little bit more of like this happened to the character that we're talking about, rather than a little bit more of the actual internal states and emotions and connections with the the main character. Um, Wait, oh, oh, Sarah, are you still here? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I'm sorry. We Very quiet. You every now with computers. <laughs> no, I was, um, I was just listening to your perspectives on this. Uh, and but, uh, I, I, just on that point, I, I very much agree with you there, BJ. I, it's an interesting similarity I haven't really pondered with respect to perspective um, in that it's a pretty similar look and also a pretty similar exploration in that we we're focused on one guy from a third-person narrative perspective, but we're going in-depth into a lot of his history, bringing up back, coming back to the present moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I think overall, Randomize was lazy. And so it took the, you know, we're just going to have a camera on people. And that was the narrative. Um, we're just going to have a camera in the room and there'll be different rooms and we're going to bounce back and forth to different places. And that'll be how I tell my story, which is how a lot of books are written, but it was just like, uh... It didn't have much thought put into it. I mean, this one seemed to be almost, like, specifically done to avoid having to have actual characters with feelings and emotions. Yeah. Like you guys said, it's like there's just a camera in a room that is just filming certain scenes. We're just suddenly in a scene, and there is a camera crew now recording. It's a couple characters talk, and uh, I wouldn't even necessarily describe it as third-person omniscient. It's just third-person watching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we get into some more interesting ones. How would you all describe Summer Frost if you were to describe her perspective? Because it's, it's a pretty bound perspective, too. We only get one character that we're following, but I never really felt like we spent enough time in her head to ever get a real full read on her like we did with, uh, as compared to, like, Ark and uh, you arrived at your, at your destination. So I'm going to put something forth that, that amuses me that definitely isn't the case, but I sort of imagine... Um, that Summer Frost is the narrator equivalent of um, the AI in Emergency Skin that just has to deal with like the constant barrage <laughs> of like all of the crap that's in this woman's head, um, and so we don't get an outside perspective, but we yearn for it because it sucks to be in here. Yeah, I mean, this is for me. Summer Frost is kind of the the first person is is being lazy in first person because we have a voice that doesn't like we don't know anything about her but we are supposed to care about what she cares about and she just kind of watches the world around her as well yeah Um, i I think this is um while i didn't read them the perspective that i read of the uh oh what's the terrible vampire series twilight twilight yeah where you have like kind of a blank character that anything or anybody could fit into and then Mm -hmm. you just sort of go from there like there's nothing remarkable about the first person that we're locked into it was one of those things of where a better author might have almost made that a conscious decision of where so much of what otherwise would be important with respect to family everything else is just fading in the background 
and being replaced by her obsession. Mm -hmm. But Blake Crouch never pulled that off. He might have been trying to go for that. I think he even says at one point that that's what the character is doing. But it just never felt real. It's just like, it's almost like we just we arrived with a video game character that has a written biography, and we're expected to view that as sufficient characterization, and view the character's emotions with respect to that written biography as enough, rather than anything that actually feels live. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it makes what otherwise is a pretty successful, similar kind of perspective for um, Ark, or You Arrived Your Destination, just feel really cold, just because so little time is spent diving into the character we're bound to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we get more of the internal perspective, which is done in, in such a weird way of where you almost get like internal monologues and it's almost like the, you're, <laughs> Sarah, your, your constant complaint about melancholy elephants where you sort of get essays mm-hmm. um, and you mm-hmm. get essays like within an internal monologue that's sort of tinged with weird emotion to go along with it. And so just... It's sort of like, uh, you know, never wanting to see the sausage being made, and that's all the story was. Yeah. So, so your hatred of melancholy elephants is making it to the point that if we ever did, like, Patreon rewards, you reading that story to the audience is not going to be a high-tier reward. <laughs> <laughs> we have built that up as just your cross to bear. The, the scathing that would go into go into that um it's the two things i have talked about most on this podcast are my hatred of melancholy elephants and my hatred of ayn rand like this is (laughs) (laughs) similar reasons um but it's a shorter story than than summer frost so you should that that is true actually it might be moving up in my rankings um you know in in terms of kind of uh perspectives and point of views to consider together fascinating to me that emergency skin and um the last conversation are versions of second person yeah mm-hmm. and really uniquely well done versus fifth mm-hmm. um i mean i suppose it should be too much of a surprise that jameson is doing second person we've yes. seen it before with respect to her it's kind of her shtick sure although this is a very different version of second person uh-huh. than we got in um yeah and in in the fifth season and i think Thank you. That yes <laughs> it talks it speaks to how good of a writer that she is that it is still sort of second person and done in such a surprising way and i i haven't read any story like it or you know consumed any media like it um and i almost don't want to again I, mm-hmm. You know, I think the second person that we got in fifth season and some other uh, things like it, I think would be fine. But I worry that this is this and, you know, maybe there were some other things that came before it is going to become a uh, a hammer and every every story is going to be a nail. Yeah. And this is um, what I was trying to say when we were talking about the food pairings for this story, is that it is something that could become um, very gimmicky very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you can see it being, like, this structure being assigned in, like, an intro creative writing class. Because it's, mm-hmm. like, something that you can follow easily. Yeah. But it's never, unless you are a master writer, like, it's always going to be sort of sticky. It's interesting, too, of where, I mean, we have to compare the two with respect to the use of second person and fifth season just here. I feel like they're almost doing different things or having at least different goals. Mm-hmm. Um, in fifth season, it's 
placing us as part of the world. It's placing us as part of the history. It's giving us it's giving us as a character now in the story background. Whereas it seems almost like in this one, and I'm curious if you guys agree, that the use of second person is meant to treat us as a blank slate or a point of view into the story rather than necessarily as a character in the story itself. It's giving us it's giving us a window rather than giving us a role. Yes. But I also would say that the second person part of the fifth season was the longest possible thread to tie a very tight knot. It, yes, it was a key mystery that ultimately served as a very fun package to wrap up with a book. Mm-hmm. Which is not the point here. There, it, there is no yeah. mystery here. This is just, I want to place you in a, in a virgin perspective into this story and give you that kind of unique take on it. At least that's how I saw it. Sarah, what do you think about the two? No, I think... I think that's absolutely fair. I think that this emergency skin is calling on the reader or listener to be, it is yes, placing them as a blank slate, but it is placed as a blank slate to specifically call or interpolate the reader into that position, which um, in the fifth season was, was not meant to do that. You were a distanced you yeah. in, that, in that book. That you was clearly someone other than you, the reader. It is not clear that that's true here. And by, by comparison, and we were being we were being called a you to invite us into another skin in fifth, in a fifth season. Whereas <laughs> here it was, I'm calling you a you because you, the reader, are now in the story. Yes. Than yeah. Somebody else. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think it also sort of puts a good juxtaposition to some of the things that she wanted to explore in terms of how certain. Uh, narratives are just so toxic and invasive and ultimately nonsensical and it's just an interesting way to do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now in terms of unique perspective um, the last conversation does a fun way with it in the sense that we're never I mean the both the audio version and the book have to treat it a bit diff- differently just because of how unique it is done I don't know if I've ever read a story of where your name is a blank, or as in the audiobook, your name is just an X, where mm-hmm. it's never actually assigned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where it's referenced, but not assigned. Yeah. It, it, it is a purposeful void. And yeah. I think that is, more than I realized at first, a very telling statement on the purpose of the perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the more we talk about it, the more I appreciate the craft of this story. I just, yeah. I, I don't know what would ma- like make it higher on the list, but it is such a well-crafted, well-put-together and thought-out story and perspective and narration. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, because it is it does such an interesting move with the drawing you in as a reader in the second person and placing you in X's perspective. But at the same time, because that perspective still remains X or blank, it is simultaneously distancing you from understanding what is going on there, which is so, such a nuanced way of getting at what is actually going on with this clone and how it is dealing with memory. And an um, interesting way to explore the other character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it, it's such, I just never really pondered the idea of how effective an absence of something can be in a story in terms of drawing your reader in. It's almost like using principles of osmosis to try to get the reader more invested just because you're forcing them to step into this gap, to step into this void and experience the story as a result of that. Mm-hmm. And with, with that kind of background, with that kind of absence, it gives us such an opportunity to then look out and see what other things are going on. Like you guys said, with respect to our only other 
ultimately primary main character. So it's I would if if it, of any of the if, if I was purely just told the how each of these stories are doing perspective, I would have assumed this one would have been the most gimmicky. I would have assumed that this one would have mm-hmm. been the most I would have rolled my eyes at. Mm-hmm. And so it is. I would I'm caught off guard that it worked as well as it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to get over. When I was first listening to it and reading it, I had to get over the idea that it was a gimmick because it is done in those kind of um, laboratory re- logs, essentially, which can get r- yeah. real gimmicky real fast. Um, but it's it's not that. It's it's very subtle in what it's doing. Now, from an in-story perspective, if I remember correctly, we had different opinions about what it represented. Before. I think the two theories we were debating was whether it was a representation... <laughs> well, maybe I had three of whether it was a representation of lab notes and redactions done afterwards entirely mm-hmm. impersonal in that regard. A representation of the main character's perspective or the of the point of view character's perspective, because those two are distinct. Mm-hmm. Of not being able to process or accept a name that's being forced upon them in a similar way that they were just kind of having to just learn their way through the memories and learn their way through what they were trying to be trained to be. Or in the end, whether there is no explanation and it's just purely a, me- a means and a process by the writer for the purposes that we just talked about. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because I, I, I took the second perspective in our conversation. But as you pointed out, I mean, I had only listened to it. So I was unaware that it was actually a blank in the written version that they just couldn't do or didn't do that way in the audio version. Yeah. Um, so that interpretation kind of falls apart to me. It's one of those things where how would you how do you do a blank in the audio version? I almost feel bad for Stephen Strait there because what else do you do? Do you just say underscore underscore <laughs> underscore? I think you just do like white noise. Yeah, uh, the kind of static. Or, or like a clear like almost the dead silence that you have like when you've muted a mic rather than like the background of a studio. Mm-hmm. B- BJ, we are returning again, and this has come up so many times in discussing the story. I really want you to direct the Foley work of doing the radio play <laughs> of this. You have suggested on several occasions that you have some really clever ideas to make it work. I mean, I can reach out to Amazon and see if... Uh... <laughs> Call Paul Tremblay and see whether we can get permission to do this. <laughs> we have his website. It was built in like 1985. Just send him an email. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he'd respond. Yeah. Um, so last, any other things we want to talk about with these stories? I, I think you had something else you wanted to discuss, didn't you, sir? I did, although I'm not exactly sure how to structure this discussion, but I have been thinking a little bit about, and we've talked a little bit about kind of the different, hmm, it's kind of the different technologies as well as the different settings of these stories and what is possible in them. But I feel like some of these stories could be happening concurrently in the same world. And some of them can't. Mm-hmm. That is an interesting thought. Um, so which of these stories might be happening in the same world? Uh, I, think, I think almost process elimination could help there in eliminating the ones that definitely couldn't. Okay. Uh, I mean, Ark is definitely in a world unto itself, just mm. based purely on starting setting. Unless It, it could be with emergency skin. Uh, well, I, I would not put it with <laughs> emergency skin. I would put it with uh, the last conversation. Okay, let, let me clarify a point then. Or when you're saying that same world, do you mean same point in time or just same Because I was interpreting uh, you meant same uh, point in time. Okay, let's go same point in time. Oh, because yeah. Ark and Emergency Skin could be extensions of the same story. Right. <laughs> several of these stories in different directions, same, yeah. S- several of these stories can work on the same time frame. Well, certainly. I think Ark and Emergency Skin really can't be in the same world. Because the 
arc is too inclusive. Arc or, is an end. Or or you could yeah, arc really is an end that that isn't. Um, I would say emergency skin in the last conversation would be an easier, but not arc. Sorry, uh, emergency skin and the last conversation is an easier put together. Yes, that's um, no, that's fair. My uh, my putting together of arc with any of these other stories is premised on the idea that we are not getting the full story of yes. who is left behind and who isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because I, I fully expect that there are a bunch of have-nots that are left behind in the in the universe that is over in the world that is the Earth of Arc. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're not, we're not moving in, everyone. Right. By that, I think randomized could be in hmm. anything because yeah, random- it it could be it could happen in the next couple of years and it's yes. whatever. And so if we, and and I think so then for that conversation to work it has to be on the same time frame. So like randomize and you have arrived at your destination are easily in the same yeah same easily world. in the same world. They're the stories that are probably the most grounded in present reality. Ultimately, mm-hmm. where they are, where they're going, they're like they're the most the stories that could most reasonably happen in a like time frame that that all of us could live to see. Yes. Hope, hopefully, I mean I prefer <laughs> not yeah. we we don't live to see the arc time frame uh, possible maybe. Uh, but I, Sarah, I like your perspective that Ark is ultimately a propaganda story. I think it is. I'm not sure there's a meteor coming, guys. Yeah. We, 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 I, I talked about that. One, the only things I didn't like about Ark was that I found it illogical that everybody would leave or that they'd be able to get everybody off. And that it was almost like limited perspective guiding what we were being told. So if this is the story about a group that went to a different colony other than the founders explaining why they left, <laughs> that's, a, that's a fascinating read. Yeah, I think the unspoken of arc is actually very dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, that they basically forced all of the uh, children with trauma in, in their histories uh, to do like a lot of the, the grunt work for their yeah. leaving. <laughs> Maybe this so... is also just a weird experiment. Okay, the comparisons we're starting to draw between arc and uh, emergency skin are making me very uncomfortable. <laughs> 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 I don't like this. Um, well, maybe Spencer's discomfort is the best place for us to end any podcast. <laughs> yes. All right. We continue your run there. I think that that is the uh, Mangum Talks uh, MO. It, it is the way, Spencer. <sighs> no, no, no. Not, not adding that into this, too. I'm done. I'm done. I had a blast. It was a lot of fun talking about this with you guys. I have a small piece of of literary-related news that I would like to put out before we actually close this podcast, because Mm -hmm. I believe that at some point we have talked... Long-standing conversations have happened around this that we will have an an episode that is uh, readings of the Bad Sex Award in fiction. Yes. Um, But recent reports have uh, indicated that the Bad Sex Award has been canceled in 2020 due to too many bad things that that. have already happened this year. (sighs) We don't need to highlight any more. So it's coming back in 2021, um, oh, but we might, we might go back to the 2019 winner. Yes. Um, and as with... said, I'm down. That will be fun. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, yep. Until then, and while people are waiting for our next round of content with respect to Mysteries and Harry Potter to return, BJ, where can they sate their appetite before they continue on? Uh, you can find all of our content, as well as uh, a bunch of other podcasts, including uh, Mangum Talks TV, which is currently going through The Mandalorian, I believe, on MangumTalks.com. 
Um, and we have our own Facebook page, which is Mangum Reads on Facebook. Um, and you can find this podcast as well as our uh, quote unquote podcast within a podcast, but it's really its own uh, beast. And where to find that is both on our, our website and uh, the Facebook page. And that is Pottering Around. So um, also, if you have any questions, comments, or anything else, click uh, contact us in the upper right-hand side of the website or post on our Facebook page, and we will uh, read all those comments and suggestions. And as always, this has been a lot of fun, guys. 